for me, I'm a pastor and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you. What is the Acts method of prayer? That's what we've been talking about the past couple of days on Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, great to be with you once again. Yeah, I love this. This is so good because we want to inspire you, we want to encourage you, we want to challenge you to take your next step in prayer. And so that's what we're talking about today. And this is a method that both you and I have have learned and have followed. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, the adoration or worship praising part. What are the other parts of this method? Well, we talked about adoration. Now we want to talk about confession. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to go before God regularly and stay clean. If you have, you know, taken God lightly, if you've sinned in some way, confess it, get it cleaned up and move on. And then we want to move to Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And that's just about all the things in your life you're thankful for, but especially the things that you know that God has done for you, the things that He has accomplished in your life. And I think that just takes us back to gratitude and how important that is. I mean, do you really want to hang out with somebody who's ungrateful? Uh, Absolutely not. Yeah, and see, I think Thanksgiving automatically changes our attitude, and it gives us an upward look, uh, a positive. And, you know, it's easy if you're using the Internet today to get uh, distracted and, and looking at the negative. Then we got supplication last, kind of a bigger word, but simply means ask. Yeah, you'll have to hang around for tomorrow for me to get to that. But we're going to talk about supplication and how when you and I... Uh, request of God, how to make that request, and to get it answered. So we're going to talk about that in this message. We also have a free resource. A couple of minutes, we're going to give you details how you can get that free resource. Right now, though, let's get back to this message. Pray first, the Acts method. You can clean up your soul so you can sleep at night. Because see, what you do is you lay your head on your pillow and say, Lord, I thank you that I've confessed all my sin to you. I've, uh, God, I'm clean. And I trust you to help me sleep tonight. That sleep comes from you and rest comes from you. You designed me for rest and I receive it from you right now. I want to give you three, I want to give you five things really quickly. I taught it last night, but I'm going to do it really quickly. Five things that we have to confess because of the current trend in our culture right now. Number one is secularism. This is what secularism says. Secularism says there is no God. And, and the reason this is important is you and I, we, we've become weaker in our faith because we've, we've buy in to what the rest of the world says. If, I mean, I'm, I'm not against the TV show Big Bang Theory. It's a funny show. What I'm telling you is do not worship science. It will let you down. Okay? Second trend in our culture right now is relativism. There is no truth. And so, so what we do is we don't need God. The Big Bang Theory gave birth to young Sheldon. Young Sheldon grows up in an evangelical home, but he thinks he's smarter than his parents, so he doesn't need them. And so God becomes relative in this worldview. You begin to believe that you're so intelligent, you don't have to follow the training and the teachings of the generations before. See, relativism and this idea that that I can choose for myself has broken families apart on a spiritual level. 
It's the, you, you say, well, what does this have to do with confession? You may need to say to God, God, I've, I've been soaked in, in a secular society that says there is no God. Forgive me. I know that you're the living God. God, I've been, I've been beginning to believe the lie that truth, truth can, can scurry around like a cat. It can move around the room. Truth cannot move around like that. Third is selfism. I'm all that matters. And if you've begun to believe that you're more important than everybody else, you're, you're part of our culture. Next is materialism. The more stuff I have, the happier I'll be. Do you need to go to God and say, God, I've, I've been looking to my happiness and stuff and more acquiring of things and, and more education and more degrees and, and more, you name it. And then finally, mysticism. And our culture now is redefining reality. They, they believe that there are some sort of, there, there are these truths and principles outside, outside of reality that you can look to. And it's, it's a mystic approach to life. And I'm telling you, if, if, I've, if, I've, if I've begun to, to drift into these five cultural trends, it will harm you spiritually. You want to go to God and say, God, forgive me. I'm, I'm part of a culture. I didn't realize this was going on in my life. Confess it. Do what David did. You'll be set free. All right. First John 1, 8 and 9. If we confess, you no, know, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Sin must be addressed honestly. You have to go before God and say, God, I sin. You have to be willing just to address that. And if, if there's a problem that's plaguing American Christianity, I can only speak to American Christianity because of living here, it's that we're lying to God. We are, we're beginning to say that certain things are not sins. We're beginning to imagine that we have progressed be beyond the scripture and that, you know, well, I, I'm just doing my own thing. It seemed right to me. That's relativism. See, we have to confess that. The, 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 the idea that I can anyone can, can abandon God's ways and live a healthy life is dangerous, okay? This is why the Bible says that sexuality is to be within the confines of a husband and wife in a committed covenant relationship. Now, our, our world is telling you right now that sexuality is for your pleasure, and, and no, it, it that's part of that relationship. But see, we've, we've tried to devoid it. We've tried to separate it from true relationship. And so we have to confess the sins, okay? And you know what your sins are. If you've been participating in things that are ungodly, confess them, all right? The next, the next area is what we call thanksgiving. And I want to redefine thanksgiving for you because most of the time what we do is we say thanksgiving is when I say, God, thank you for what you've already done for me. And I don't believe that's inappropriate. inappropriate. That's gratefulness. That's gratitude. And you want to say, God, thank you for what you're doing to me. But what I, what I see when I read scripture, when I read Jesus and the believers there, they were thanking God for what the Holy Spirit is doing. Ask yourself, what is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? And you thank God for that. 
Are you aware of what God's Spirit is leading you to and directing you to? Let me give you some examples from Jesus' life. In Matthew chapter 15, it's also repeated in, in, in Mark 8 and John 6, Jesus is meeting by the shore of Galilee, and he's got a large group of people there, and he's going to feed them loaves and fishes. He takes a little boy's lunch, his happy meal, and he prays over it, and everybody gets blessed. Now, most people, most people, they read that, and then they take out of that, I need to pray over every meal I receive. That's not a bad interpretation, okay? But what if you look at it from the perspective that Jesus hasn't done the miracle yet, but he says, God, I thank you that you're about to do a miracle and you're going to do something not just for me, but for all of them. Huh. See, begin to thank God in advance for moving and revealing himself to the people around him. Do you think the kingdom of God came into that crowd of people that day when they received lunch? I do. See, I believe. And so it says that he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. So just, just, just as an idea, okay, begin to thank God before you gather for church. <laughs> begin to thank God before you go to school, before you go to work. Begin to thank God and say, God, I know that this is the day that you have made. I thank you for it, right? And today you're taking me, right now, you and I, we're thanking God for the new year. All right? Let me give you another example from Jesus. Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. He said, see, Jesus was recognizing what God was about to do, and he was thankful that God is about to do something. And what you want to begin to do is say, well, God, uh, I know that you've opened this door for me. Let's say, let's say you're young and you've been praying for an invite to a date, and you finally get your Evening. So God, I thank you that you're going to work in this evening. Now, this is, listen, this evening is either going to go one way or another, right? It's a first date. It's going to either work to another date or it's over. Are you going to thank God in advance that it's the end of something or the beginning of something, but that God is working in this? See, do you have the ability to believe that God is working every day in your life and begin to believe that God wants great things to happen in your life? Luke 22, 17 through 20. And this is repeated in the other gospels because it's about the Passover and what you and I call communion. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When you and I come to communion, we are thankful because what God has done, but we're also thankful for what God is doing and going to do. So we enter into communion with thanksgiving. And the reason this is important is it's central to Christianity. Communion is one of those things, I think it's wonderful if you take communion at home by yourself. Some people have never done that. 
I think it's totally appropriate for you to sit with the Lord and say, God, I thank you that, 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 that you died for me. And you could spend an hour just around the communion cup at home. Uh, be good stuff. Be good for a marriage. Be good for a family. Okay? But the majority of the time, the context of Scripture implies it's when the church, God's community, gathers. Okay? I'm not saying the other is inappropriate. Some would tell you that. I, I disagree with them. Okay? But, but see, the, the reason that in a couple weeks we're going to start a new series called The Church Is, is because the church has not taken seriously this, this bond that we have as the body of the believers. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us when they, when they took, take communion, he says, therefore, whoever eats this bread, this is verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord and eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many among you are weak and sick. And a number of you have fallen asleep. To fall asleep means spiritually you've begun to, to have doubts about God. You've, you've begun to wander from God. We have more resources for you at DoyleJackson.com. We will be right back with more Your Next Step. So, Pastor Doyle, this month we have put together a resource that we believe yeah. will bring people closer to God. We want as many people as possible to have it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, I think when we're trying to grow in our faith, there's several things that we need to learn about our relationship with God. And so in any relationship, it's a conversation, mm -hmm. but we don't know how to have that conversation with God. That's what prayer is. It's just talking to God. And so this free resource, it's called the Acts Method, all right? It's to help you get going in your prayer life. We Sometimes we need to go and we're asking God for stuff, and then other times we just need to be in His presence and talk to Him about how He is the great God. He's a wonderful God. We need to adore Him. It's all in this prayer method, and we want to help you do that to get in the habit of praying and seeking the Lord. That's what it's about. Yeah, we've learned how to make conversation with each other. We may not realize that we've learned it, but we have. We need to learn how to make conversation with God as well. This Acts method, I picked it up early in Bible college, have used it for years and years. Yep. It really is a great way to enter into that kind of conversational prayer. Yeah, it'll encourage you because you'll begin to feel like, okay, am I covering all the bases? And we've got all four bases, and uh, you're going to get to home plate in your relationship with God. So go get the Pray First Acts Method uh, today. Yeah, we really want you to have it. It is at doylejackson.com. Give us your email. You will get access to the PDF. For the Pray First Acts Method free resource, go to doylejackson.com. Let's continue with your next step. Verse 31, but if we judge ourselves, we will not come under judgment. So what it says is when you and I come to communion, we're to judge ourselves. That's what the confession is about. And then we thank God, say, God, I thank you that you're cleaning up all this sin that I've confessed and that you're opening a new pathway for me and that you're going to bring life. You can, you can take communion and say, God, I, I need strength. Now, I, when, I, when some of you are weak, it says, and some of them are sick, it says in 1 Corinthians. See, some of us need to take communion 
with the right attitude because of our physical bodies. See, we, we've been taking communion lightly. We've been taking it like, well, you know, it's mine because I've confessed Jesus. But if you dealt with anything that's ungodly going on in your life. Many of you have heard me say again and again that when you take communion, that it's connected to a Jewish marriage rite process. And in the Jewish marriage rite, what would happen is an agreement would be made between the father of the bride and the father of the groom that this was an appropriate couple and there, there would be uh, an agreement of a price that would be paid in, in terms of this agreement. And then when the fathers agreed to that, they would take a glass of wine and they would present it to the groom and they would say, the covenant has been cut. The covenant has been made. We have an agreement for this engagement, for this marriage. The groom takes it and says, this is the blood of the covenant. Will you lay down your life for me and it? And he hands it to the, the bride. And she takes the cup and she says, I will drink of this cup. I agree to the covenant. She drinks. And then he takes it and he says, I'll lay down my life for you. And he drinks. That's what's going on when Jesus gives the disciples this cup. Okay? What you may not realize is that's not all of it. After that agreement is cut and that is made, the bridegroom leaves. I know. You thought they were about to get married. No. The engagement has started. It's as good as married. This is where Joseph and Mary were when the angel comes to her. They're already in the covenant. Joseph is not there. Why is Joseph not there? Well, if you read Jesus elsewhere, when he talks about the bridegroom coming, what's he talking about? He says, keep your candles lit. He says, stay on it. Stay attentive. Don't fall asleep. Jesus is teaching. Go back and read and, and see what Jesus is saying. And he says, the bridegroom returns. Well, this is why. Because what happened in the ancient world was after that agreement was made, the bridegroom went off to the father's house to the father's house, and they made an addition to the home. You're coming under the covering. You're coming under the family blessing. You're coming under the inheritance. You have already been provided for. So when the bridegroom arrives, and it's about midnight, and the scripture talks about the midnight cry, woohoo! Jesus relates that to his final coming and the church being ready. This is all part of the church. This is part of the analogy that God is using to help you and I keep a, a heightened awareness that we need to be a holy, loving, godly people at the last of days. And whether or not this is the last of days for all humanity, this is your last days. You want to get it right before God. But see, the groom goes to prepare a place. Jesus, he says to his disciples in John chapter 14, he says, guys, I'm leaving you. But if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. See, Jesus keeps weaving in this wedding analogy. And this group of guys are like, dude, I'm too macho to be with you. You are making me uncomfortable. But Jesus is, Jesus is helping them see we have a covenant. And you and I, we're part of the church. And we've been waiting for over 2,000 years for the return of Christ. And you and I cannot afford to take communion lightly. Because part of taking communion 
is that the church recognizes, I will lay down my life for him. He has already laid down his life for me, but he is coming for me. And so are we ready to say, God, I thank you in advance for your second coming? That's one of the message of communion. Now let's continue. I'm not done. I know you're, I know you're close, okay? <laughs> the last part of this, you just want to understand, we are waiting our groom, Jesus, and that's what communion is about. I want you to take that away today. I, 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 my prayer is that at the church next door, this will become solid in our mind, that every time we receive communion, we are celebrating his first coming and his second coming. His first coming and his second coming. His first coming and his second coming. All right, there you go. Supplication. How can God help us fulfill his purpose? How can God help us fulfill his purpose? So when you go to God with supplication, you're asking God to move. But the way that a God follower, a believer in God prays, is that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done. So what this means is you begin to say, well, God, if, if anything in my life needs to change so that more people could come to know you, I'm willing for that. So now you're beginning to pray uh, that, that God will begin to shake things up in your life. And I know that most of us like our routine. Most of us like the steadiness of life. We do not like things to be shaken up. But I want you to begin to say, God, if anything needs to be shaken up in my life, so that if there's anything that's, that's, that's not right, if there's anything that I need to adjust, I'm giving you permission. That's what supplication is really about. Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So when you go to God, you're saying, God, I'm not going to be nervous because I trust you. I trust you, God. Now, you say, well, how can I do that? Listen, when Jesus is praying over the communion with the disciples, he knows that Judas has just left. Jesus, Jesus knows that his life is not going to be easy over the coming 24 hours. He's not gotten to the garden yet. He's not sweat blood yet. But, but Jesus is saying, it's okay, God, I trust you. Why? Because Jesus believed that something greater was coming out of it. The same reason that Jesus uses the last days, that he uses the example of a, of a woman in travail over the birth of a child, is to help us understand there are some things that God will take us through that will not be easy, but we know the outcome is beautiful, happy, joyful, that's why they, they get that baby in your hands quickly afterwards. <laughs> because suddenly it begins to erase the hard time you went through. See, that's what God's trying to teach us. That's why we're going to be anxious about nothing. Why don't we say that? Say, Lord, Lord I, won't I won't be anxious. You ever tell anxiety to go? I do. I just speak to it. I say, you have no place in my house. Get out. We don't have room for anxiety. Waste too much time. Doesn't get you anywhere. Okay, finally, I want you to listen to how Jesus prayed for his disciples. John 17, 15 through 17. 
My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. See, what Jesus understood was this. The prayer wasn't to be pulled out of this world. The prayer was that you and I would trust him, that we would rely on him, that we'd be strong in the midst of the trials of this world, and that his word, his word would come alive for you, that the word of God would become real. This is why we want you to really get to know the word of God. We want to do everything we can to help you be a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, now this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to help solidify this in our hearts and our minds because this is what we need. Lord, we come before you and that's a lot of information, God. But the application is so easy. Help us to apply it. Lord, help us every day to adore you. Lord, help us to confess to you anything that it would get in our way of serving you. And Lord, help us to thank you that you're leading us into new territory. May we be like Joshua, unafraid and courageous. And finally, Lord, our supplication, our prayer is that your word would become alive in us and you would protect us from the things of this world. For your name's sake, we pray. And all the believers said, amen. So you've been listening to Pray First, the Acts Method here on Your Next Step with Pastor Doyle Jackson. Pastor Doyle, that really is an important message. Yeah, it's great. I, I love the I love the verse in Acts where it talks about how they prayed and the place where they were meeting was shaken. Yeah. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word boldly. See, I think that prayer is important because when you're close to God, you have greater confidence. And when you've been praying, you can... Uh, you can step out on life and you can live differently. And so that's why we've been talking about uh, this whole importance of getting your prayer life going. And we've been talking about the Acts method. And uh, I just know myself, I need prayer to strengthen me, to encourage me, to help me uh, fulfill God's purpose in my life and and to do all that. That's why I like this. And the Acts way is a great way uh, to do it. Again, if you would like some help with that, if you'd like a little more information on the uh, Acts method, we have a free resource for you. You can get it at doylejackson.com. Just navigate over there in your browser. Give us your email. We will send you that resource. You will be on your way to praying the Acts method. Yeah, and if you want to, join us this weekend at church. Come to the church next door. Be here with us. And uh, hey, we'll even pray with you after the service if you'll come down and say hello. We would love to see you. The Lord would love you to worship with us. So we hope you make that happen soon. Come on down to the church next door and come back uh, soon for another episode of Your Next Step. Your Next Step with Doyle Jackson is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued, but to help keep us on the air, visit doylejackson.com and click Give. That's doylejackson.com. You can also send a check to The Church Next Door. Our address is 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Again, that's 5755 F-E-D-E-R Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Please put radio in the memo line. Lastly, if you need prayer or have questions, text us 
at 888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. I'm Pastor Doug, and Pastor Doyle and I would love to see you next time for your next step.